back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always. Episode 58 coming at you, already at episode 58. I'm looking at, I'm going to dig deep into my book here. I'm going Carl Banks, the uh, linebacker from the New York Football Giants. Coincidentally, Joel, the last linebacker drafted in the first round uh, by the New York Football Giants. There's some argument as to whether Kayvon Thibodeau uh, due to he's just being called an edge, whether he's supposed to be considered a linebacker or a defensive lineman, I don't really care. Carl Banks, last linebacker drafted in the first round by the Giants. My co-host, Joan Bayoka, is here in studio with me. Joan, what's up, dog? I'm going with Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce, legendary New York Giant until he hit a gun for Black Scalberas. But yeah, Super Bowl Forty Two champ took us there. One of the biggest idiots uh, in Giants history. Uh, so that, you know, he can go down for that. I believe he's out coaching uh, Arizona State football now uh, with Herm Edwards out oh, okay. there in the desert, or he got fired because that team stinks. Um, but we are joined in studio by our friend and guest to the show a couple times, two or three times, uh, back when we were first around, Eric Moltner. Eric, welcome back. What's up? What's up? I have no clue who Carl Banks is. So. Uh, it's all right. Carl Banks, he does uh, he does the color commentary for the Giants now on radio, actually. Okay. So he is one of the radio voices of the Giants every Sunday. Um, but Eric, it's good to have you back. What's been going on, man? You know, it's been a while. Yeah, man, it's great to be back. Uh, nothing's really changed in my life. Just happy to talk some sports with the boys. Absolutely. And that, well, we can always promise we're going to do that. And we're going to talk plenty of sports today. Jolan, where do you want to start today? Well, Eric, two weeks ago was the NFL draft. We have you in booth. Let's go over the draft a, bit, a little bit. We'll talk winners. We'll talk losers. Who do you think had the most complete draft Overall. Uh, the most complete draft? I really like the Giants draft. I hate to say it in front of you guys. Uh, Thibodeau <laughs> falling was sick for you guys. Although the Jets had a great draft. Um, and then I like the Eagles draft as well. But I will say one thing about the draft. That uh, the Jets and Giants can't both possibly have good drafts. So one of the two teams, <laughs> when it all figures itself out, will not have a good draft. What, you know, And just naturally speaking, that's how, that's how this works. I will say this. Joel and I have been on record as saying this as well. I do believe the Jets are in a better spot, organizationally speaking, uh, than the Giants for the first time since I would probably say 2009, 2010, when they went to back-to-back AFC Championship games. Obviously, the Giants flipped the fortune, won the Super Bowl uh, in 2011. But I thought, yeah, I, I thought that I thought the Giants. I'm not really a big fan of their later round picks. Uh, I like Damian Beavers though, uh, out of Cincinnati. I thought he played really well last year. Uh, but I think those first round picks were home runs, and I and we were Joe and we talked about this last week. We were at the draft party; it was a lot of fun, and you could just feel the excitement in the building. And you know, like again, I wanted Sauce Gardner on my team, but fortunately, he's got to go wear that ugly green. Um, he did sign his rookie deal, so uh, he is locked in there. Unfortunately, he will not be changing his mind, which uh, New York team he wants to play for. I was holding out hope for that, but uh, yeah, I think big big time drafts for the Giants and and the Jets. Now, let's talk about Raiders a little bit. <clears throat> Specifically, your first round. You guys didn't have a first-round pick. You went with Devontae Adams. What does he do for that team? Uh, so we didn't have a first- or second-round pick because of Devontae Adams. But he changes the whole team. I mean, granted, he's the best receiver in football. Uh, in my opinion, at least. I guess top three if you want to debate it. But uh, he opens it up a lot. That was what we were missing with Henry Ruggs and that devastating uh, crash and all that stuff. We needed a guy... That has the ability to take the top off, but Devontae Adams could do everything. He can run every route. And then you really, I think the best trio with Renfro running his zigzag routes that he runs. And then people forget Darren Waller is still going to be a menace to a lot of secondaries this year. And uh, I think the three of them together, it's 
you pick who you want to beat you, and they can beat you. So, do you think his chemistry with Derek Carr is going to separate him from the re- the rest of the N- AFC West? Rather, uh, it definitely going to help. They definitely threw a lot of touchdowns, or Derek Carr threw a lot of touchdowns. Devontae Adams in college, I think it's going to help us in the red zone because they they converted very well in college, and the Raiders were notoriously bad in the red zone. Uh, I'm excited though. I think it's going to help me speed it up for the other quarterbacks like Russell Wilson. You could, you know, throwing reps with guys helps, but the game time reps I think are the most important. Goose, what do you think the the addition of Devontae Adams does for the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, and I mean, there's an you know an underlying fact that probably a lot of people don't know is that they were teammates in college, and it's one it's easy for, to forget. Um, you know, I, I don't mean that I don't mean that as any shot to them, but they played at Fresno State. I mean, not everybody out here on the East Coast has Fresno State football, you know, on their uh, Saturday NCAA ticket package. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I think Devontae Adams is obviously a big help. I think that division, uh, we've seen it year in and year out, continue to get better. And the the acquisition in Denver of Russell Wilson, uh, you've got the Chargers who got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson and Justin Herbert. Looks like he's primed to take that next step. Uh, and obviously, I you know you can't forget Patrick Mahomes and the boys. I know they lost Tyree Kill, um, but you can imagine they'll still find ways to be explosive at least a little bit. Uh, so it's a division where you had to get better, and they went out and made a splash move and. You're in Vegas, baby. Like, you got to go make moves. If you don't, like, what are you doing there? So that's actually an interesting topic. You bring up them being in Vegas. Recently, there's been reports coming out that former Raiders president Dan Ventrelli has come out and said that there was poor conduct within the Las Vegas Raiders organization. Mark Davis' response to that was to just go out and fire him. Eric, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm going to be politically correct in all my comments in this uh, aspect as part of the podcast. Um, if the things were, I guess we'll never actually find out because they signed an NDA. But uh, if they were as bad as it sounds, it should be changed, obviously. Uh, females should have any right to do anything they want in the business, in the franchise, like any male would. Uh, but it's a wild move. It's There's no better way to start a Raiders offseason than headlines about something that shouldn't be occurring for a billion-dollar franchise. Goose, what are your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've seen it time and time again. I think women, the treatment of women... Uh, within organizations is popping up seemingly everywhere right now. It's uh, it's in Vegas. It Prominently speaking, it's in Vegas right now with that headline. You've got the Cleveland situation with Deshaun Watson. You've got Washington, which Dan Snyder should have sold that team 100 years ago. Um, but, yeah, there there are, you know, there there is a big issue right now in the NFL with, uh, I think, the treatment of women. And, you know, we see it in all sports. Listen, man, it's, uh, tw- I think it tweeted out a couple weeks ago. Women belong in sports. They have belong in sports. We're just now starting to scrape and give them minor opportunities. I think they deserve some more opportunities around the league, and I think they got a chance to shine. Uh, and the ones that are, are, I think they're doing their thing, and they're having a you know they're having a blast doing it, and they deserve to be there. This leads me to my next question: Is Las Vegas the problem here? Uh, I'm going to say no, but it's probably a biased answer because my whole argument would be New York City, Los Angeles. You know, Detroit, all these big cities where you can party. Like, you can find trouble. And granted, they're not all Vegas where it's the the Strip and everything like that. But, I mean, New York City, if you want to have a good time at 3, 4 a.m., there's places to be at. Los Angeles, same thing. So, it could be the problem, but you don't see this. I think it's more of the Raiders, just the franchise itself and the bad things that occur. Like, you don't see the, the Chargers or the Rams. They don't have guys driving 150 killing people, and you could do that. Yeah, I mean, even another one is Miami. Um, yeah. The, the nightlife down there, obviously, 
as we know, is a topic because, you know, the college football playoff goes down there a whole bunch. So uh, that obviously gets raised into question a lot. And and I agree. And, you know, honestly, even if it is the problem, so what? You know, like they're not they're not going anywhere. They just got a brand new stadium. And uh, I think, yeah, I'm with Eric on this one. I think it's got to be the culture within the organization. And that's got to that's got to get fixed. And, you know, if it gets fixed, then I think you'll see Vegas isn't a problem. You you know, but I, I think right now uh, it's more within the team. Do you think the Raiders, looking at themselves as an organization, do you think they stay away from problematic college prospects, maybe, because of the influence the city might have? Uh, so Mike Mayock, now ex-Raiders GM, said that was his biggest thing he wanted to do in the draft, was get high-character guys uh, that are going to be ready to play in the NFL. That brought us to Cleveland, Fer- Cleveland Farrell, fourth overall pick. He's trash. Henry Ruggs murdered someone. And Damon Arnett posted an Instagram video holding a gun threatening to shoot a fan. So, and he also, Mike Mayock's on record saying that Damon Arnett, he spent the most time figuring out his character and how they can make it work. And he's now, he actually just got arrested for having marijuana on him in the offseason. So he's been kicked off two teams and arrested. Ruggs is in prison probably for life. And Cleveland Farrell is really bad at football, so. I mean, freezing cold days is coming after Mike Mayock, right? They have to. (laughs) I mean, that's just, that is... Yeah, I mean, and Joel, on this is it's interesting because you see the Giants do this a lot, right? This is why, this is why we all joke as Giant fans, but it's dead honest. It's why they wouldn't have taken Micah Parsons last year. They wouldn't have done it even if they had stayed in that spot, is because they're all about this nitty gritty uh, suit and tie. If this guy has one speck or ounce, like what was it? Micah Parsons was a hazing incident mm-hmm. in 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 college, like. When you've been in locker rooms, it's that stuff is it, it's it's different. And again, we don't know necessarily the level to it. But what I'm saying is, is the Giants never touch these prospects. Like, and it bothers me because I think there's a, there is a balance. There are guys that are probably rotten apples, and and we see it. The guys like Henry Ruggs, like that's that's indefensible. You can't defend that stuff. But there are guys that like you know, have these one-time incidents, and they're fine. Like, Laramie Tunsil slid in. The reason Laramie Tunsil isn't the Giants franchise left tackle is because he had a, he smoked pot with a gas mask. Like, it's the only reason he's not the Giants left tackle right now. And we have a good one, but Laramie Tunsil's a good left tackle as well. We would have had him a few years earlier, and we would have gotten rid of Daniel Jones earlier because they would have stopped whining about his left side protection. But that's a whole different discussion for a different segment. But you get what I'm saying. Like, the, it, it, there is a balance there somewhere. And I think part of it that people, like, have to remember, too, is these they're 18-year-old kids in college, and they're the star athlete. Like, think about what everyone else would do. You probably wouldn't right. be on your best behavior if you're in Tuscaloosa and you're the starting <laughs> quarterback or linebacker, you know, on a weekend. You're going to do some stupid things yeah. you might get in trouble for. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it makes you a bad person. That's no. the like the Michael Parsons thing. I'm, yeah. He's not the first person to haze someone. He's not the last person to haze right. someone. You know, and the people that got in trouble for it probably were hazing people earlier. You know? This is actually a good way to transition. We didn't go over this in prep, but... College athletes that had some problems that ended up in the NFL, one being Baker Mayfield, this whole video with him dancing around the cops and whatnot. Then ran away from the cops, yeah. Seattle notoriously stayed away from quarterback this draft. Everyone thought it was because of Baker. It's actually because Pete Carroll likes Drew Locke. Where does Baker Mayfield end up this offseason, if anywhere? And do you think Odell's success with the Rams has anything to do with it? I mean, listen, he, he was an injured quarterback, I said this from day one. He hurt himself by playing through injury. Generally, most quarterbacks, a torn labrum on their non-throwing shoulder, and you can talk to any quarterback about this, generally it would be you could manage through it. 
But Baker, with the way he throws and his, I think it's like his mechanics and the torque he has to put on it, there's a lot of pressure that goes on that shoulder. So when it's a torn labrum, he can't get the same velocity on the ball. He can't get the same things that make him successful. So I, I, I fully believe he hurt himself by playing through injury last year. Um, and it put bad tape on record for his own coaches and other general managers to watch. Now, Seattle, I, I don't know what Pete Carroll is doing. Um, I'm completely lost on what he's doing. I think he might have. I'm. I, I think he might have dirt on John Schneider. I really do. Like, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where that organization's going. I listen. I'm not that high on Baker Mayfield, but I think Baker Mayfield's better than Drew Locke. I, you know, Pete Carroll came out this week and said Drew Locke would be the top quarterback taken in this year's draft. I still don't know if that's actually true based on watching his NFL game tape. Like, I don't. I don't buy it. I think it's just. I think that's kind of the coach's political correctness of he's got to back his quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that quarterback – and Geno's their backup. Like, dude, you want to talk about quarterback purgatory? That's where they are right now. Mold, do you think anyone's a suitor for Baker Mayfield, or what happened here? Yeah, I kind of – I think once he gets cut, someone will pick him up because I think that contract right now is weird because he's getting paid a lot of money, and it's the fifth – like, he's going to be a free agent anyway. So I think if someone could sign him to, like, a two-year, $20 million deal, they might do it. I think the Steelers are a pretty decent spot for him. So I think they're they have a good receiving core, and it gives Pickett a year to grow. But it, I I also think Seattle. I think he's lying about the Drew Lock stuff. I think he, like you said, is he have to say it. Drew Lock is so bad at football. I watched him <laughs> twice a year for four years. I think that's a good four point. Years. That's a good point. He's bad. He's yeah. like he's there, he misses guys that are open. I mean Teddy Bridgewater made that team look better than he did, and Teddy Bridgewater's a, a backup, backup now quarterback not, not in Miami. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a backup in Miami. He's a solid now. backup guy. He's not a starter. Yeah. And Baker's not bad. I mean, like he was hurt, but no. he's better. He's better than a couple quarterbacks yeah. in this league. He's better than yeah. Sam Darnold too. Yeah, that he is. That we know for sure. But do you think any success with OBJ being on the Rams is kind of hindering what Baker Mayfield can present when he comes to the table with other teams? I don't. I think it's funny. I mean, like that whole situation was hysterical, in my opinion, mostly because it wasn't my team. But <laughs> I think in the grand scheme of things, like you know. You you gotta ju- I think you gotta judge Baker Mayfield much closer to the 2020 Baker Mayfield than last year's Baker Mayfield just because you know the injury concerns. Um, but again, like that that maybe that's a thing that they're going. Maybe these teams are digging deeper and talking to St- uh, Stefanski, the head coach, and you know trying to find out what he's like in the you know in the meeting rooms and stuff like that. Maybe there's something there to that. But that's and. They they screwed that up. I they should have traded. I mean, they could have gotten a late round pick for him. I know they wanted a higher pick, but teams aren't going to give it to you because they know you have. You can't keep Baker Mayfield. You can't trade for his replacement. Give him the biggest contract in NFL history, and keep Baker Mayfield on the roster. So teams know you have to trade him. So you have no leverage. So what your asking price is really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because now you got to cut him because mm-hmm. you're not going to bring him back to camp. That's going to be a locker room disaster. Absolute, absolute locker room disaster. So, big. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you're right. Like, I think he's better than a couple quarterbacks in this league. But he's got to find. He's got to find the home. I don't know why Carolina wouldn't take a flyer on him. To wrap up the NFL right now, let's break down the Raiders. The Raiders draft specifically two O linemen, two D tackles, two running backs with six picks. What are your thoughts, Mo? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we talked about it before recording a little bit, but uh, granted, our first pick wasn't until the. The third round? Yeah. Third round? Uh, See, so there's a lot less talent then. I, like I said earlier, I think the two running backs, because Josh Jacobs is going to be gone after this year. I don't think we can afford to pay him. 
So we have to find his replacement and or Kenyon Drake's replacement, however you want to break that money up. <laughs> and then the O-tackles, they're both they both guys that played a lot of positions in college, so I think that's like somewhat important for these. They're going to be filling guys that can play center through tackle or center through guard, and the other guys guard through tackle. And I also liked that I think it made us feel like we're confident in a lot of other positions. Like they're confident in the safety, the secondary, the, the wide receiver room, obviously, the tight end room. So they wanted to get guys to fill in these other I – mean, we have like 12 D tackles on the roster. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, guys are going to get cut and whatnot, but I think it's one of those things. You, you got 12 guys in a room, three of them have to be somewhat decent, right? Do yeah. you think you have all the pieces right now to compete in the AFC West? Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I think we're I, – I mean, it's, I, always, I said this when the whole thing went down. It's the Raiders, my luck. It's the best team we've had in my entire life, and it's the best AFC West. It's the best division of football ever. So that's just how the Raiders world works. You can't be good and have other teams be bad. But, yeah, we can compete. Why not? We beat the – we didn't beat the Chiefs last year. Two years ago, we beat the Chiefs once. We could have had them twice. They got worse. Beat her, beat the Chargers when must-win game last year. And I don't think the Broncos are that good. I think they're overrated. I think people do underestimate how well the Raiders did in the midst of chaos last year. Goose, do you think this Raiders team has what it takes? I do. I, I've been I've been a big believer that the AFC West is going to be a survival of the fittest. And I know sometimes it's a cop-out answer is like injuries, injuries, injuries. It, I mean, when you look at these teams and how, you know, you can make an argument for each one of them, mm-hmm. you, it really comes down to who takes the star injury. Like, unfortunately, it's a part of the game and it happens every year and it's just which team's going to catch it. And I think they've got a lot of pieces. I think uh, you talked about the D-tackles. And, you know, I think that's great because you've got your two exteriors. you got Max Crosby and you got Chandler Jones in free agency, uh, who's an underrated free agency signing. I like him off the edge. Um, and then you go to the draft and you talk about a guy like Samir White, uh, one of the running backs taken uh, from Georgia. I think he's an interesting prospect to look at because he was sitting or splitting carries with James Cook all year, uh, Dalvin Cook's brother. And because he's Dalvin Cook's brother and was, I guess, the starter on the, on the you know, the thing you get at the game, uh, it's he, he he's gonna get all the attention. So uh, Zamir White definitely was effective for Georgia. I, I remember seeing him, and you mentioned some of these guys. I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this division plays out. Uh, and luckily, this isn't the uh, NFC East, so um, yeah. there are no uh, world beaters in the NFC East. So th- I'm happy I, about that. I think you hit a nail on the head. One of the best divisions in football period of all time. Let's move into baseball. With your team, starting off with your team, the New York Yankees, best team in baseball. Let's just get right into it. Uh, How are they doing? Yes, sir. They're doing great. They're hitting a ton of home runs. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything Brian Cashman's ever dreamed of. Just guys hitting home runs. <laughs> Judges like eight home runs in the last ten games. Something like that. Something crazy. Uh, they're really good. They're pitching well. Their bullpen's been great. That will fall off sooner or later. But they're really good. They're a really good baseball team. Toronto's really good, too. So they gave, they make me a little nervous for the, the 162 race. But... Uh, They'll make the playoffs, they'll compete, and I think they have a their shoe in for the, the championship. Well, that's going to be fun to watch, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Toronto's a fun baseball team to watch, and and yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, the termites came out of the bats as soon as the weather started to get a little bit warmer, and you know, again, we're starting to see. I, I think the pitching aspect of things is really, really, really important because you know a lot of people come into the year, and that's the one spot they're going to point to at the Yankees as well. Do they have enough? Pitching wise, both starting and in a bullpen, and Chapman's been unbelievable in the back end of that thing. And uh, Garrett Cole has gotten his way out of, you know, complaining about the weather and the time of or when, yeah, when the game starts. Start. Yeah. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. As long as he works away from that stuff, 
and uh, he gives you what he's going to give you. And you've got, you know, your second ace, Nestor Cortez. I mean, the sure dude is just want. electric. He, he is electric. Does this all hinge on Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge's success, rather? If he goes down, does this team go down, or what do you think? Uh, uh, down for the year, like down, down, yeah. Or a significant time missed, like he yeah, has. Yeah, I think in we can years. make up for it for like a certain period of time. Stan's proved in the past years he stepped up when Judge got hurt. We got other guys like Donaldson still got to start hitting. He can go crazy. Uh, you know, Lemayu's playing well. We got guys that can hit. Rizzo, Rizzo's so playing, but he, Rizzo's been unbelievable. Rizzo's almost man. too hot right now. Like he's got to come back down to earth soon. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if Judge is out for the year, I mean, that's huge for us. Yeah, we're, we're going to miss a guy that's going to bat 275 with 35 homers and 100 RBIs. What do you think? Is this team legit without Judge? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think this team is – the biggest question I always have is, you know, when that home run ball gets eliminated. And, and you know, again, they may prove me wrong, go to the postseason and hit, you know, the most postseason home runs ever by, you know, 20. But generally, like, when you get to those playoff time, it, it the heat of the race in September – and as you get into the postseason, it becomes can you win games with small ball, and can you you know can you string singles together? Can you hit one in the gap and bring home two or three? So I'm interested to see it and and just see it continue to develop. You know, we still a name we don't hear a ton about is still Luis Severino. Yep. He's back in the rotation, but you don't hear a lot about him. Maybe a sleeping giant as the season continues to go on as he gets back into form. I it's going to be fun. I, it's going to be a fun summer. I ask you guys that question with a follow-up question in mind. Uh-oh. If you both think the Yankees can succeed without him, do the Yankees pay him next offseason when the money comes into play? Want me to go first? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I, I just, I don't know. I Because I think if he has this monster year, we've just seen the Yankees' reluctancy to pay big money. And he's 30 years old. And if he wants an eight-year deal still, or even a seven-year deal, you're talking about, you know, year 37 and 38, and that's that's a lot of money unless they front-load the contract. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if Cashman would pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, they offered him seven years at $30 million a year. I thought that was more than justified contract for a guy who does get hurt. And like you said, he's already 30. And they were going to up this year's salary because it was in uh, arbitration. They are going to give him more money. Uh, I think Cashman's a big into he's big into letting the guy go talk, kind of like go find what you can get and then come back to me with the best offer. I think he might do that again, and I think I think he's going to end up resigning because I think all the good teams like the Mets, Dodgers, all those guys who will pay him already have too much money on the books to pay him. Like I could see like a team like I made a joke before Detroit like they said with Baez giving him that monster deal, and if he wants, I don't think he's a guy that wants to go lose like Cano did, lose ninety to hundred games a year. To end up doing steroids and end up on the Mets. But is this team in the market for Juan Soto? <laughs> uh, I think we're in the market for uh, Devers over in Boston. Kind of need a third baseman coming around the corner, and that'd be a real nice. Granted, every Red Sox the Yankees signed Ellsbury and Damon, they're not the same guy. Once we sign them, they come play <laughs> pinstripes when the media cares about their players. But uh, I'd rather him. But Juan Soto would be cool. Like we can have both of them. Goose, let's just go back into the Mets now, from one New York sure. team to the next. Let's talk to Mets. Let's get your opinion on them. Yeah, I mean, it's been an exciting start to the year. They're 19-9. and nine. That includes two games without Buck Showalter for ridiculous suspensions that just shouldn't happen. They're the most hit-by-pitch team in baseball. It's been uh, the brawl in St. Louis was fun to watch, um, in my opinion. You know, and you hear, uh, I think, I love having uh, Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez on the call because they just tell you exactly how it would have happened. And, again, it's back in the 80s, but... Like Ron Darling said, that that fight with Arenado, he's like, I would have hit him. He's like, I wouldn't have hit him in the head. 
He goes, I would have hit him, though. Like, I would have made sure he felt it and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's been a fun year if you're a Met fan. The additions of Marte, Canna, Scherzer, uh, Escobar have been nothing short of everything you've ever asked for, uh, including Marte. Marte has been unbelievable on the base paths and uh, in the field, and just his, his hitting overall uh, has been great. And, obviously, Mad Max has been a leader with Jacob DeGrom out. So, you know, you can't really complain so far. They had a big comeback win the other night. Uh, Taiwan Walker let up four in the first, and then I believe before he left the game, he game was 7 nothing, and then, you know, Marte homers, and then, you know, infield single, home run, double, you know, and then they come all the way back to win the game 8-7. And I think the most important part of that, obviously, was closing the game out, but Edwin Diaz has looked like a different Edwin Diaz than we've seen since we got him. And considering he's the only component to that trade that we are still holding on to because Robinson Cano is thankfully long gone from this team. And uh, so I think the Mets, you know, we're, we're going to find out a lot about this baseball team, but I'm excited because, again, I don't know how much to trust his shoulder or trust his arm at this point, but I'm still holding on to the fact that we've got the best pitcher in baseball in our back pocket, and he hasn't pitched an inning yet for us this year. So I think you're, you're sitting in a decent spot when you, when you can play this well and not have him on your team. It only gives you hope that he'll take his uh, rehab slow and make sure everything's done right. Uh, that way he can come back full force. And, you know, to have him and Mad Max go on back-to-back days. Bassett's been a bulldog. Carrasco, if we can get the hell out of the first inning, he's okay. Uh, and then Tyler McGill has been, I think, really the shock of this team. Uh, we saw him last year, Joe Lon. I believe he pitched. I believe he pitched the game we were at with our with our buddy Zach Kruk. Pete two home runs. Pete two home runs and McGill threw, I believe, eight shutout innings. So, you know, and you're starting to see more of that this year. So, I'm excited. They had the combined no hitter. What was that? A week and a half ago or something like that, uh, which was fun to watch too. So. I, there's a lot of things clicking for the Mets. Their, their bullpen still needs a lot, a lot of work um, because there are just some guys in there that I know they're hurt, but they shouldn't be coming back um, because they're not, they're just not good enough. Uh, Adam Adovino's got to go. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm concerned about the bullpen, but for right now that's, that's a majority of my concern. It kind of feels like, as opposed to old Mets teams, start hot, fizzle out, this Mets team has something completely different in their bag of tricks, coming back from a seven-one deficit, it was seven nothing inning, at one point in the game, but it was seven to one in the ninth inning, um, and they came all the way back to win it eight. They scored seven unanswered. Do you believe the Mets have what it takes to make it to the World Series? And then, contrary, Eric, do you believe the Yankees have what it takes to make a World Series? Well, now Who's listen, him being a Yankee fan, he can answer that question. I'm going to answer the question the way I can as a Met fan. I think they have enough to get to the postseason, and that's you know again like that is just. Where these franchises are at, uh, there are le- you know there are levels to this ish young boy, as Meek Mill would say, <laughs> and uh, so you know yeah, I think this team's got enough to get to the postseason. They're winning games in different ways. They've got speed with Marte, Nimmo, and Jankowski, like serious, legitimate speed. Uh, I think Buck has been a breath of fresh air uh, in the locker room, and like I said, I think that pitching staff. Uh, we'll see how long they can hold. But uh, yeah, I mean they got some guys that are gonna that they got guys that are starters that are gonna be like long bullpen guys, and they can really stretch out this rotation, get some guys some rest, you know. And I I don't think we've seen the best out of Pete Alonso yet. Uh, I don't think he's really hit a stride. I think Dom Smith, Dom Smith has been more consistent as of late. Once Robinson Cano lately. went, and I'm telling you, a lot of people say, well, that easy baseball decision to get rid of Robinson Cano. The Will Ponds with the amount of money he was owed would have never never gotten rid of him. 
The Mets make the smart decision now. They don't hold that roster spot, especially as it becomes more and more important. Yes, do I think this team can get to the postseason? Absolutely. Uh, I think the Mets can be really, really good this year. I think they can get to the postseason. I don't think they're beating the Dodgers in a seven-game series because the Dodgers to the Dodgers. Uh, and I think the Yankees most definitely can get to the World Series, but they're going to have some battles too. The, like I said, Toronto's going to be really good. The Astros are always going to be the Astros. They'll be pretty good. Um, kind of yeah, let's go around baseball. Who's good? Who's bad right now? So the Angels are always solid, right? The Brewers. Well, the, the Angels are, are solid this year because of the work they're getting out of. Uh, Excuse what's me, the not kid's always name? solid. Otani uh, Ward. No, the kid. I forget. Is it Tyler Ward or something like that? Uh, I think he's batting leadoff for them. He's been really good in front of. Otani and Trout and Rendon is still in that lineup. We remember him from his Washington days. Uh, they've been good. The Astros will always be there. I think the Central is probably run by the White Sox. Uh, twins are pretty good this the year. The Twins are pretty they good. Got Gary Sanchez, baby. The NL West Sanchez. is always Byron good. Byron Buxton, if he can stay healthy, has been his, his stats for the Twins are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and they, he's actually healthy. And they have Correa, that's a big sign for the yep. offseason. So that I mean that's the American League, and then the you know the NL. You're talking Dodgers, uh, Padres look decent this year. Um, the Diamondbacks are holding on. I think they're going to fall off a cliff. Um, I don't even know about the NL Central. Uh, the Pirates are not a good baseball team. Uh, the Reds are actually an even worse baseball team. So <laughs> kind of like whoever won. I guess the Brewers will win that. Their starting pitching is really good. Um, and then you got the NL East, who I think the Mets, the, the Phillies have a dangerous group. Uh, Atlanta hasn't shown it yet, but, I mean, they're defending champions, and you know as well as I do, until they're eliminated, you always, you're always worried about them. So that's kind of around, you know, yeah, around baseball. Around right? the baseball entirely. So from one sport, we go to the next. The NBA is in full swing of the postseason. I believe the Bucks just beat the Celtics. Yeah, by two. They made it a close game. Uh, yeah. Unfortunate. So now we head to um, keys to victory for what these teams need after three games, except I believe the Warriors and Grizzlies are still yet to play game three. That's correct. So let's start with you, Eric. What are Miami's key to victory if they want to beat Philly here? Uh, keep playing defense. I think Embiid being hurt and he's broken. His thumb in his face. He's he's back for game three. He played, yeah, but he's not. I, I, know that, 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 I think that thumb, the face aside, that thumb looked bad. Like he he wasn't the same guy after he I don't know, whatever he did that ligament in his thumb tore it or whatever. So he has to continue to not keep playing great. I think the Heat are a little overrated. I think them and the Celtics are both just very good defensively, and that makes it tough to beat in the postseason when people really start locking up defensively. Yeah, the Heat, they need to score. They need Jimmy Butler to keep scoring and keep playing defense, and I think they win that series in probably six. Goose, what do you think? Miami's yeah. key to victory. And they got to bully people. That's that's what they do, and that right along with their defense and their attitude and, you know, their street fighter, Udonis Haslam on the sideline. Like, that's, you know, that's that's what they have to do. They have to continue to have that bully mentality and just beat up, beat up on the Sixers. And any Sixers key to victory is Joel Embiid has to be on the court. Um, and by the way, I haven't talked to you about this, and we didn't even talk about this in prep. Uh, I'm calling for Doc Rivers to be fired um, <laughs> Im- immediately. Um, the fact that his star was in a 26-point game with three minutes left in Toronto to me is a fireable offense, uh, and I think he deserves – He first of all, his success or lack thereof is – worthy of a firing, but I believe that moment in time, in my opinion, is worthy of a firing. Do you think, though, that Doc maybe kept him beat in, not to get him hurt, but so he can have an excuse once they do lose, oh, my guys were tired, oh, they played X amount of minutes, and now that Embiid is hurt, do you think Doc falls on that? I don't know, but I but I gotta tell you, like, that bothers me, Joel, because he, he, didn't, he didn't play an Iron Man 
up 26 with three minutes left. Like a guy that's never missed a game in his NBA career. You're talking about a guy that has more games missed than he has games played in his career. Like, it just, you got to make it make sense. And I, I get it. Teams score quick. They're not scoring 26 points in three minutes. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. So with Embiid down, what are what are Philly's keys to success if they want to win this? Do you rely on James Harden more or Maxi? Uh, it's uh-huh. got to go more towards Maxi right yeah. now. I think in their current offensive ability. But James Harden, if they if if Embiid's gonna keep scoring his 15 points, I think he had like 15 yesterday after coming 17, back. 17, I believe. 17, 17 yeah. yes, but not as like his normal third. I think he finished the year averaging just over 30, 30 points something. Uh, it's got to be Harden's got to pick up those points. Because Max, he, got, he showed he didn't play that great yesterday, but he was going for 30 the first two games. He went for like thir- 28 and like 32 or something like that. That's not a – he's not realistically going to do that. Do you think the Sixers would be in a better spot if they kept Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and <laughs> who, who else did they send off? Andre, Andre Drummond? Drummond. Uh, maybe with Simmons. I think Simmons if uh, could, like him and Maxi. I think they could potentially have, carry those points more. But, no, I don't think anyone thought Harden – like, he didn't even look this bad in Brooklyn. Like, he looks like he took the fat suit off and then his leg stopped working. Like, he doesn't have that <laughs> juice. I don't know. I mean, it looks like he's aged about eight years yeah. in one NBA season. It, it It's not the same James Harden. And now so he's you're going Maxi. Yeah, it's got it's got to be Maxi. And, and, again, it, it's hard to tell about the Simmons thing because we know Simmons wasn't going to play the rest of the year anyway. Back surgery, actually. So the comments last week were kind of uh, nullified. Didn't no, the, but he dude, didn't take the he easy was, road out. He I'm, needed some I'm surgery. telling you right now. The big, Why didn't he get surgery four months ago? One, one of my biggest what-ifs is ha- <laughs> what point. if Brooklyn won game three? Because he was scheduled to, and then they lost, and now they're down 3-0, their season's over, and then oh, for the first time in a month I woke up with back soreness, and now I need oh, back surgery. I, okay, that so makes that, sense. He could have postponed it or made it earlier. He just was waiting for the right things time. Are, things are inch- I I don't know. They, that whole situation, the whole Ben Simmons thing is, is wacky, but James Harden, he's going to have – He's going to actually surpass his former teammate, Russell Westbrook, in having the worst contract in the NBA next year because he has a player option for $47.5 million. Be careful what you wish for because Miami has played Duncan Robinson for only one minute over three playoff games, and he's doing $90 million. And that makes his contract trash. But he's not getting paid $47.5 million to look like a guy that just hangs out at the Philly nightclubs every night. Likes James wings. Harden looks atrocious. We, we move forward yes. in the Eastern Conference with the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. Milwaukee leads 2-1 as of today. Goose, we'll start with you. What are Milwaukee's keys to maintain success here? Uh, so I'm going to go back to a like a uh, mid-2000s to 2010s graphic. Uh, it's going to be Giannis on top to the Kumpo wakes up. Giannis takes the bus to the stadium. And Giannis suits up and plays. I think as long as those things happen, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm not concerned. Game two. That's the LeBron James Miami. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it's mid mid uh, 2010s. So, <laughs> um, but if you look at Boston's stats from their one win, I mean they outshot Milwaukee. I think by like, was it like 18 threes or something like that? I think like, yeah, we took upward to like 50 threes in that game. They shot. I think there was four players: it was Tatum, Brown, Pritchard, and Williams. I, I, Sure, they shot like 19 for 33 from downtown. Like, it's just not sustainable. We saw this last year actually with Tatum when they ran into KD and they won one game in that series and he dropped 50 and everybody's like, whoa, they found it. Yeah, if he drops 50 every night, like they got a shot. I I just, with the series back in Milwaukee now, Joel, it's it's hard for me to find uh, Boston not down 3-1 after game four. And then at that point, Milwaukee takes off game five. Uh, you keep Giannis at home, and then you play game six, and you win it at home. 
Molt, what do you think the Bucks have to do here? I think the, the best move for the Bucks would be try to make the series go longer, just get Chris Milton back for the championship, hopefully, because they're going to – Giannis is just – like, the Celtics are a great team matchup-wise. They have one through five. They can switch everything. Anyone cover anyone. Just no one could cover Giannis. So just, like, not just no one in the Celtics, no one in the NBA. Dude, 6'11", dribbles, he's stronger than you, and he jumps through the roof. Like, there's, he's just sick. Let's flip the coin. What do the Celtics have to do to maybe come back here? Uh, double him every touch. Every time he gets the basketball, double him, make him pass it to someone else. Make the mascot come to life off in the middle of the floor. I mean, you need lucky as, as much as you can get at this point. Got him round one. I think that luck has ran out. From the Eastern Conference, we'll move to the Western Conference. Phoenix, Arizona versus the Dallas Mavericks. I believe Phoenix leads 2-1. Yeah. Goose, what do you think the Suns have to do here to maintain success? Well, I, I want to just drop this in before we talk about the Suns. Let's not forget that Boston did the NBA a favor by taking out the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, we you know they got rid of that abject failure of the team. The Bucks would have rolled them and, over, and though. Dis- Let's be real. destroyed them. Yeah, but you don't want to give them confidence. They'll come in, oh, you know, if KD was a size 17, you know, we would have won the series last year, all that <laughs> garbage. And then uh, the life of a martyr and Kyrie Irving would have continued and all that BS. But, okay, getting out west <laughs> with the Suns and the Mavericks. Look, at look, they have no answer for Luka Doncic. Not much of the NBA has. Um, I think you just got to frustrate him. But I like what the Suns did in games one and two, uh, where they literally just picked him out and ran pick and roll with him as a defender. And I think they averaged like 1.78 points per possession when he was involved in the ball screen, which is just a ridiculous number. That's, <laughs> That's a, cool a ridiculous stat. number. And I think you just got to do that. And I don't really care if it's deemed gimmicky or whatever. I, You do it, and you just find what works, and you keep going after it. I mean, it's what makes – I mean, why wouldn't you do it at that point? And I would just continue to make him work on the defensive end, try to tire him out so he can't score that much in the fourth quarter. I think that's the Suns' road to victory. But, um, you know, I think the Mavericks got – they got their win at home, and we'll see in game four. It's a big game, obviously, and – Chris Paul better be better. He had seven turnovers in the first half in game three. So the, the I think his season total high was eight in a game. So he had seven in the first half. That's just not going to get it done. Uh, Devin Booker's looked good off of that hamstring injury, though. I will tell you that. I know he didn't do too much in game three, but he's looked pretty good coming off that hamstring injury. You always worry about guys retweaking that. So uh, it's good to see him out there. So I, I still think Phoenix wins this series. Mo, we'll go to you with the Suns. What do you think about them? Yeah, uh, I think they win the series. I don't know if the Mavericks win another one, but D-Book does have to figure out that hamstring injury to make sure it's good to go. Like you said, it's easy, very easy, especially in basketball, but stopping and sprinting right away that re-hurt that thing. And if he can't stay healthy, they're not going to go that much further. Uh, I think the Mavericks just aren't ready yet. I think Luka is legit, legit. But I think the rest of that roster, like honestly, I was just looking at it again. If you read some of these names out, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, Maxi Kleber. Uh, you got some other guys there, too, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, like, like the one of the only names that I know like right away is like Spencer Dinwiddie. He Spencer barely plays. D- I forget he's on that team every <laughs> yeah. day. Every There's day. a bunch of guys that are like no names. That's going to use him, too. And yeah. uh, I think they just need all, like another year to get a couple more guys. So another star to put with Luka. I think it'll be all right. Well, that's the question. Is Luka going to have the same career path as Dirk, win one chip, stay with the Mavericks for, forever, or does Luka look to get out of this situation? And then regret playing the last two years of his career. Which is so sad. This week. Uh, that was that was obviously very interesting and very real for professional athletes um, as they move into their, their more normal lives now. Especially at that height. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. It comes down to what Eric talked about. Like, can Mark Cuban get another star here down to Dallas? 
with Luka Doncic. If he does, I think he stays. And you know, I, I don't. I see Luka holding on too much to Dallas. You know, even if they don't get him a star, I see him holding on much like Dame Lillard. Like I, I need Dame to get out of Portland. Like I want to see him go win a. I like I think he's a guy I want to see go win a chip. Um, so we'll see with Luka, but they need they definitely do need to get him another star. Yeah, and Mark Cuban definitely has some fishy stuff under the table. Luca's yeah. making more money than we know about, hundred <laughs> percent. There's no doubt in my mind. Go through those Slovenian banks. Yeah, yeah. You see what he had a couple years ago. It was like, if, would you pick Luca or your wife? And he said, if I had to pick, I'd get the divorce papers tomorrow. Like, yeah, that's a real quote. Yeah, like, he, there's Luca's not leaving. No, he's never leave. Yeah. They'll figure it out. So from the Suns trying to build a dynasty to be in the postseason to an actual dynasty in the postseason, Golden State Warriors. They play the Memphis Grizzlies. John Moran, his electrifying crew, take the, have the two-seed, rather, so they have the home court here. Let's break down that matchup. Let's go with the Warriors first. Do you think this team has enough to run it back? I do. I do. I think this team is it, it's electrifying. It's not I, – I don't know. It's not. The, it doesn't feel like the same Steph that we saw. Gary Payton the second it goes think, down. Yeah, I think Clay's been good. Obviously, Gary Payton the second uh, is out a month with uh, elbow fracture. He said he could make it back for the NBA Finals. Um, he took that hard fall on the flagrant two from Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks suspended for game three uh, due to that. But uh, I still don't think Memphis has enough. I think Memphis is a team that, that got real hot, and they're very young. So maybe they're a year or two ahead of schedule. Uh, but Jaw's really special. But I think uh, I think Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, you know, uh, uh, Kaminga, like all those guys, like I think they got enough, and uh, I think they'll get past Memphis. And it's just... I don't know. It's something about the Warriors that it's just, I don't know. It just looks like a fun brand of basketball to be around. Like, it it looks like, I like, if I went into the system today, like, it looks like it would just be fun. <laughs> they just move the ball around. Somebody's getting an open shot almost no matter what. Let's go back to you, Molt. Is this Warriors team going to run it back? And do you give any credit to Steve Kerr for how he runs this team? Uh, yeah, Steve Kerr, they are. All right, so they are going to run it back, I think. I think they'll at least get to the finals. Uh, the Western Conference Finals, them versus Suns, should be a good matchup, in my opinion. I think it's a seven-game series. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this Warrior team's really good. I mean, Draymond's still got some defensive juice in him. Steph is top five uh, of our generation. Clay's back, healthy, shooting the thing. And then, like, Jordan Poole, I was saying the other day to someone, I was like, where did Jordan Poole come from? This guy's going crazy. I mean, when you uh, have played, Clay Thompson, played in Michigan, so that's literally where he came from. When you have, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to show you the ropes, aren't you handed the best situation? I guess, man. He's playing out of his mind, but yeah. they got to hand a lot of stuff to Steve Kerr for the, that offense. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, it's a lot easier when you have two of the best shooters <laughs> maybe ever to play basketball on your team to get open shots. But the way they move the ball and the guy like Clay keeps moving, Steph moves, they run off screens and stuff, and like. The amount of open looks they get is unreal. Like all the time I watch a game, I'm like, "How is Steph that open?" Yeah. It's like after the sixth time saying it, it's like they're doing something right. Right. Like I watch the Knicks, we don't get open looks. So the the way the fact that the Warriors do it with better <laughs> so players, that it just shows how good the system really is. Yeah. So he's always got the hard screens from Draymond too. He's yeah. he's got that. He's still got that edge to him. We do know that. Let's wrap up the NBA playoffs with some predictions, finals predictions, and who wins MVP for both of you. Mo, we'll start with you. All right, uh, this could be on if Devin Booker stays healthy. I got the Suns losing to the Bucks in seven. Giannis MVP. <laughs> if the Warriors, if Devin Booker's hurt, I got the Warriors beating the Bucks in seven. Interesting. Steph MVP. Interesting. Interesting. That would be massive too. I think implication wise for Steph Curry's legacy, uh, the one thing he is missing from that resume is a Finals MVP. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with. Hmm. Well, I'll take the Bucks to the East. 
Um, I think Giannis is just that good. Hating on the Celtics today. We go down one game, everyone starts erupting. Jason yeah, Tatum. You suck. Tatum you're had losing, 10 points tonight. Tatum had 10 I, points. I know. Yikes, Raggy. All right, you, you're losing that <laughs> Two wheels on Giannis's head. All right, and then I don't think my I don't think Miami's <laughs> going to take down the Bucs either. I'll take the Bucs out of the East. And out of the West, oh, this is hard. I Give, <clears throat> give me the Warriors. I'll take the Warriors, and then I'll take I'll take the Bucks in six. Take the Bucks in six over the Warriors. Ah, Giannis, the MVP. If the Bucks run it back twice, it is Giannis like in the goat talk now, winning a championship well, in Milwaukee he, and then winning it twice? I have an interesting point because we can talk out for a little bit. I have an interesting perspective on the goat conversation. A lot of the people back in the day see Michael Jordan as the goat when, in simple terms, he was the best player on the best team, hands down, and transcended the game. I compare Michael Jordan a lot to Steph Curry and how the team matches up, the the playoff runs match up, the scoring matches up at an efficient rate. Really changed the game of offense. But when it comes to like goats, it's gonna have to be come down to like LeBron and Giannis. Just two physical freaks. And I know it's early to claim Giannis is the next guy to even compete with LeBron name wise, but let's be real, he's only twenty six, turning twenty seven. Guy's done everything. If he does it again and again, who knows? Well let's make sure we put levels on the whole Jordan Steph thing. Jordan you know, actually performs when the lights are the brightest. Steph is generally hidden from them. Well, it's, it's that's been that's his, not statistically not true, though. Like, I mean, his finals are not good. He's, he's 20, not been averaged good. 26 points in one final. It's just averaged less in than KD. Finals. Yeah, but you okay. know what I mean. He's been though. in four, I believe. Uh, fair enough. Michael Jordan right. has that finishing punch I'm, that I'm Steph just, Curry does I'm just saying there's... He's just not there. But do you like see where I'm opinion. making the, the bridge connection between transcendent player and almost? I think LeBron and Giannis, though, physically just separate themselves because of what they can do that others aren't born with. We'll, we'll see, because you, you know this. It, unless somebody matches 6 or goes 6-0, and oh, nobody's going to let go of Jordan. Like that's, That is just that is a single hands-down argument. Russell's 10-1. Yeah, that's my problem with the 6-0 right. argument is right. that there's guys like that. And... If my this is my biggest pet peeve about the six and zero Jordan argument. Yep. If Jordan was that good, like LeBron won eight straight finals. Right. LeBron went to the finals more times consecutively than Jordan did in a 14, 15 year career. So we're rewarding Jordan for losing earlier in the playoffs. Right. It's a very and, good and it's point. interesting too, right? Because we saw in the last dance what why did Jordan retire in ninety eight? Because he was tired. He was tired of it all. Mm-hmm. He was tired of it all. That's six years going to the finals. With the with a year and a half break in between when he played baseball, and LeBron's got an eight straight of these things. Lived in the social media world, like has been talked about since. I mean, we're lucky we didn't start talking about LeBron out the womb. Like, if we knew where he was, we probably would have started talking about him. But that, that's it's it is. I agree. It's a very interesting discussion, and I don't necessarily agree with the six and zero argument. But that's the one that always gets brought up. Do you think Giannis is on pace to be the GOAT? Uh, I don't think anyone's ever going to pass LeBron anytime soon. LeBron's going to end up, without like a bad injury, he's going he's gonna to pass Kareem for most points. He's going to be top 10, I believe, in rebounds. Top and, one in win shares of playoffs. Yeah, he's got to have like top, or maybe it's top 20 rebounds, top 10 assists, something like that. He's going to be like in the top, the he's going to be top 25 in every statistical category of basketball ever, and no guy does that. Like, Giannis won't be able to, like, probably score and pass the way LeBron did. And LeBron, you know, like I said, with eight straight finals, he's going to yeah. end up probably maybe with another one. So he, he's at, what, he's four right now? Yeah. Four, yeah so he's he got might, four rings. So he might end up with five. Even with four rings, he's got, I don't know, four MVPs. What He should have He should have 16 MVPs, in my opinion. Uh, but I think the Giannis go talk is very warranted. I mean, the guy, who, 
no one wins titles in Milwaukee ever. No one. And he's he might do it again. And he's the fa- and next year he'll be the favorite to come out of the East again. And I guarantee that franchise spikes in value once he stays there. Yeah. For a and then years. and like who's their like, best player? Chris Middleton with him? Yeah. Is that if that Chris Middleton wants to? Do I mean, the, you got Drew Holiday, who I think you could argue better. If you put Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton on the Knicks roster right now with Julius Randle, they're an eighth seed. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like and then you, you take both of those guys off and you put Giannis on the Knicks right now. They're a three seed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Giannis is <laughs> That's that so true. good. <laughs> Yeah. Like I think Giannis is entering that LeBron where like he could win MVP every year, and it's like you have to argue me why he's not yeah. winning it. And it's yeah. almost the, it's almost like the, the ineffectiveness of that argument kind of settles in year five, six, seven, eight when guys want to vote for other people because they're tired of yeah. just voting for yeah. you. So yeah. like it's one of those things where well, we you'll saw, see the fatigue, you'll see the Giannis fan. I think you saw last year when he was going for his third straight, and I think there was a huge argument to make for it. And Jokic, you know, had a had a had a great year. Um, I don't necessarily know if I agree with him winning it again this year, but you know, it is what it is, and I, I do agree. Like there is a fatigue, and and it's just weird because that is just so. It is so. It shapes how we look at guys, right? Like every oh, yeah. argument comes up with how many MVPs did you win, and now we gotta like take it away from like we're taking it away from guys because we're tired of hearing their name. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It, it just, it, it bothers me. I agree, yeah. Because even, like, the Joe Kick MVP this year, I think it's more of, like, an analytic MVP he's going to win because he did a bunch of things, like, centers don't do. But, I mean, look, watch the 76ers lose the first two games, then Embiid comes back just defensively. Bam Adebayo was a different dude on that court. And you don't even talk about Joel's defense. It's not even what he brings to the table. And you can see the difference he made in that game. They won by 20, and he probably played the worst game he's had all year, and they still beat the one seed in the East by 20 last night. Now, you know me as a stats guy. Here's another stat for you. Uh, Nikola Jokic will become the second MP- MVP ever to win it and his team not be in the top four of their conference. The one other one was Russell Westbrook a few years ago when he averaged triple-double. So there's that. And, uh, yeah, Nick Wright, who's uh, who's on Fox, he's obviously he's a LeBron lover. But and, and a Luca lover too, but he he talks about this all the time about the analytical argument with Jokic and how it's just like, and he comes up with all the like BPM plus plus offensive minus rebound of efficiency, re- yeah. yeah, like just all these advanced analytics that like you just sit down and like you're like this guy's the MVP, like you should be able to watch a game and just say this guy's the MVP. Yeah, and I think that's what Joel does. Yeah, I mean he scored thirty seven foot and had thirty points. He averaged thirty points a game yeah. this year. It's incre- it's incredible. I mean his game winner against Toronto was ridiculous. Like that was yeah. just that was just an absurd the shot. Fadeaway jumper. For, yeah. That's an absurd shot for like Danny Green or like a sharpshoot like Kyle Korver back when he was hot. Like, but it's just for Joel Embiid, it's ridiculous. It, it is it is pretty wild. I mean that basically wraps up all the major sports. Besides, obviously we don't really cover the NHL, but that's going on as well. Yep. But Goose, you had a message too. Yeah, no, listen, I just want to close this episode, and I don't want to make it a depressing uh, depressing moment, but I do just want to address uh, mental health in sports. I think it is a massive. Uh, issue and something that's going to come to light and I think there's going to be a, a very scary trend um, in NCAA athletes in particular. Uh, we did just lose, I believe, a little over a week ago, a James Madison softball player. Uh, we lost her life to suicide. That is, I believe, three prominent female athletes in it's a month or two. Uh, the other, uh, One of the others is Stanford goalie who won a national title in a shootout. Uh, she was a big part of the team. And this, this James Madison softball player, I believe, was conference player of the year. Um, so, you know, and, and that's just to discourage, nobody should say this anyway, but that's to discourage people saying, well, maybe it's just the bums at the end of the bench. That's not true. It's happening to prominent people and it just, just want people out there, like reach out, like find, find what works for you. Like, 
I know athletic trainers. My ex-girlfriend's an athletic trainer right now at a Division three school and told me a story of how an athlete walked into her room and uh, was able to say, like, this is my safe space and, like, was able to, you know, let out, like, what's going on in her life and be, and, you know, so my ex-girlfriend was able to be that person for that athlete. To confide and, in. And that's important. And we all played sports and we all know of people that, and, and we all have good coaches, bad coaches, good teachers, bad teachers. Malt is a coach. And there there are just some coaches you can go to with different things and different levels of things. And there are coaches that you trust with just about anything. So find that coach, find that person in your life, go out there and get help. Like I said, I think I, I think unfortunately we're headed to a very scary trend um, because I, you know, and I said this this morning uh, on my radio show, Joel, on, one of the biggest problems I have is I remember walking around campus, even at Wesley, which is a small division three liberal arts school. And everybody just looks at you and says, well, you're an athlete. How hard could it be? Right. You get these fancy airplanes, it's fancy gear. It's not true. I paid for my gear. We bust everywhere. And you know, we're up at five 30 for workouts. Like there, there are these things that like when people poo poo it, it's like, it, it starts to get to you and it plays a role. And that's, that's a base athlete. You start talking injuries now and stuff like that. I, I would, anybody that wants to reach out, you could always reach out to me on social media at goose on the mic. I I've been through injuries, my entire college career, half of my high school career. If you need to talk or anything, please. Um, and obviously Joel, we would be remiss uh, if we didn't just say this. Um, we hope nobody's going to do this, but if you do feel like you have feelings, uh, of suicide, please reach out to the suicide hotline. Uh, that's 1-800-273-8255 and talk to somebody, please. You're worth, your life is worth something to somebody, right? Like every, you know, it, it, it's, it's a crazy thing to think about and it's a hard thing to think about. We all have people in our lives that it would be absolutely completely devastating. And I would much rather hear your story than attend your funeral. And I think that's, that is, uh, that's the best way. Uh, to kind of wrap it up there, uh, Joel, like I said, please feel free to reach out to any of us. Um, if you know us, e- even if you don't, you know, you can always reach out to me at Goose on the Mic, uh, both Twitter and Instagram. If you need anything further, we can obviously talk through that in a direct message. Um, Joel, where might people be able to reach out to you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Good Old Joel's, or you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Aired Out or Instagram at aired.podcast. Tell someone you love them. Yeah, Eric, uh, where might the people be able to find you? First of all, thanks for coming on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, this is best, bro. We yeah. do appreciate it. Yeah, no, I love coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at ericm46, Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah, mental health is real. You are loved. Get help. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. And I tweeted it out the other day. Go somebody. Go tell somebody you love them. Uh, you are loved by somebody. I can promise you that, no matter how bad it feels. Uh, that's going to do it for episode 58. Uh, we'll be back. Joel, we're trying to find some new things to do for the podcast. Maybe some uh, some new catchphrases. We've got, uh, obviously, we're going to continue with the content and, uh, and just continue to be great. So uh, find new ways to take this podcast to the next level. We love doing it. We love doing it every week. Uh, so for episode 58, until next week, and until, well, the Mets make me happy again. Well, to close the week, the Mets have shut out the Phillies and uh, come back from 7-1 in the ninth. Put that in the books. Thank you.